Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. We hope you have a great time. Joy. For all of us that are here, if you would take your Bibles and open with me to the book of Daniel. We're going to continue our series in Daniel chapter 7. As we began this series, we started with, uh, of course, chapter 1, and chapter 1 through 6 are very historical, Um, it's more narrative, and now we enter into a different section written by the same man, Daniel, um, but much uh, different in its um, substance. And so this morning we begin the fun part, I call it the fun part of Daniel, okay? And uh, I, I have to admit, I, I'm really excited to preach this morning. I hope that doesn't mean that's an hour-long sermon. I hope that means that we're concise, we can get in and get out, and uh, hopefully it makes uh, sense to you that the Spirit of God moves in us, that there's some clarity that's given. Chapter 7 through 12 of Daniel can sometimes, when we read it, there's so much information, and it's hard to be able to decipher, Right? And, and that's my hope for you. Let me encourage you again as we go through these next several weeks that I want to encourage you to read through the book of Daniel. All right. Next week will be chapter eight. And so uh, read through chapter eight. Maybe you can get it done once. Maybe you can do it multiple times. Maybe you read the whole book of Daniel. Um, there's only 12 chapters. Some of the verses or some of the chapters are pretty long with verses. But let me encourage you, be in the word and see it and, and, and ask God to reveal Uh, his truth to you. Some of you have shared that through the weeks with me, how God's been teaching you and showing you as you've been reading through it. And then you come on a Sunday morning and it either reinforces or you've shared some different thoughts with me of what God has revealed to you, which is just so exciting to me. And it just shows the, the, uh, the power of God's word. It's alive, it's active, and it's working in our hearts. It's working in your hearts. And that's been my prayer Uh, As I said, I'm really excited to dig into Daniel chapter 7. We're going to read it here in just a moment. Um, But would you pray with me before we dig in and just ask God to work in us, in our minds, in our hearts? So let's bow together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this great privilege of of coming and worshiping you here in this place. And we ask, Lord, that you would come. And as you are here with us, that your spirit would work in our minds and in our hearts Lord, help us to see you in a fresh and new way or be reminded of the truths that maybe we've known before, but we've forgotten. And so, Lord, I pray that as we walk through Daniel 7, that your spirit would do a mighty work this morning. May we be encouraged. May we be convicted. May we love you more because we've spent this time together in your word. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Daniel 7, as has been our habit, would you stand with me as we read? Don't worry, there's only 28 verses, okay? Not 48 this week. Daniel chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw on my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. 
And the four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear, it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong, it had great iron teeth, and it devoured and broken in pieces and stomped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, therefore, uh, or before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked... Thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. And I looked then because the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the cloud of heaven, there came one like the son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me, and he made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up from and before which three of them fell, and the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and it seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, and it will trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. 
He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole earth shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. We read all that and you're like, whoa, what imagery, right? And what does all that mean? Like crazy stuff. So when we look at this, um, we see first the time and the setting here. Daniel um, gives us detail as he has in many of the other beginning chapters when he begins to help us understand what's going, what is taking place in this chapter, the time frame of it. We see here in verse 1 that this is the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon. So the first six chapters of Daniel were working through chronologically. Okay, Now in chapter 7, we're going to go back all right, to the first year of King Belshazzar. All right, And we're going to see in the chapters to come, I'll give you some more information on some of that. But for today... We see that Daniel's writing the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. And so Daniel sees a dream. He has a dream and he sees this vision. And so he is laying in his bed. As he lays in beds, he, he has this and then he records this for us. He wrote this dream down and he told, the scriptures tell us, he told the sum matter of it. All right, which takes me back to math class. All right, sum means what? All right, the, you take two numbers, and if you want the sum, you add them together, correct? So Daniel takes what he has, and he's bringing it all together for us, for us to understand what this dream and visions were. What we see is what we've already seen. I referenced it in chapter 2 when we looked at chapter 2. If you haven't read chapter 2 for a while... You don't need to read it right now unless you're going to fall asleep. Go ahead and read chapter 2 and then, and then you can catch back up with us in a few moments. Chapter 2, there's some great theologians who will explain it this way. Chapter 2 and the dream given to King Nebuchadnezzar was from man's perspective. Looking at this great statue with these great medals, it, it, was, it was a beautiful way of portraying the four kingdoms. We'll talk about those in a minute. But it was done in such a way that, that you see this clear statue and the beauty of it from man's point of view. Some theologians will look at chapter 7 and say this is now from God's point of view or from a heavenly point of view of what is taking place or what will take place um, from the, for the four kingdoms that are on earth. And it's quite different in how it is viewed. Which tells us, and it reminds me, while you see, 
um, things. We see things from our perspective, our humanly perspective. We need to be careful because our perspective, sometimes we want to make it a little rosier or nicer than what it really is. And so how does God see this? Well, we will see as Daniel puts this out, I saw in my vision by night. He says that in verse 2, and he also says it in verse 7. Daniel's at night. He is greatly alarmed. We see that at the very end of the last verse, that his color changes because of what he sees. When he explains to us, he begins by saying this. I wrote it down. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. The beauty of what we have here today is we have the full word of God. Do you believe that? I believe that Genesis through Revelation is the whole word. And if you take Daniel by itself, it's kind of hard to decipher through this. I believe we can do that. It's just challenging. I do believe that God's given us the full word, which helps us to be able to see and to be able to put some pieces together. All right. It's like if I gave you a hundred piece puzzle today and I give you each a piece, all right? Your piece is valuable, but your piece alone doesn't show the picture. When you put all your pieces together, now you create something very, very beautiful. And that's the thrust of the Bible. When you put each piece together, it gives us this beautiful picture of God's love for man and his desire to know us and, and for us to know him. The end times we see here, not only in Daniel, but other parts of the Old, Old Testament, in Ezekiel, in the Psalms even, but we see it in the New Testament too, where Paul will write about it in Thessalonians, and yet John in Revelation is a big portion of that, of the revealing of the things to come. That's what Revelation is. It's the uncovering. It's like you have a pot, and you're taking the cover off, and so it's revealing what is to come, the Revelation here in Daniel 7, we start with this, and I say all that as a disclaimer because of what we see, the four winds of heaven. What is this? When we see this in the context of the rest of Scripture, four winds usually is the context of the heavenly realm. All right. Sometimes it relates to the angels who are holding up the four corners. We see the context of this as Daniel is writing, Behold, the four winds of heaven are stirring up the sea. What we see in Revelation um, verse 17, Revelation 17 helps us with understanding what the sea is. The sea is the nations or the people on earth. Some will even go as far as to say the Gentile nations, which I kind of hold fast to. That it's the sea of the people, the Gentile nations, and we see the heavenly hosts that are stirring up the great sea. And so there's a work going on in, on the earth, all right? As Daniel's hearers would be listening to this, the great sea would be the Mediterranean Sea. That's where their, their, their life, where life was around the sea. And so they would have envisioned this, these monsters or these beasts arising up out of the Mediterranean Sea. That's how they would have pictured this. And so for us, um, not being, I mean, Lake Erie is great, right? But... But we quite don't depend on it today like the people of that time depended upon the Mediterranean. So 
for us, uh, again, put yourself in their shoes as they're hearing this. They're visualizing before them in this midst of this great sea, these beasts rising up. And the sea for us, as we see in scripture, is the nations. So these four beasts, right? Verse three and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. So we see there's four of them. Each one is unique. And that's important as we move forward, especially when we get to the fourth one, okay? They're different. They're each separate from one another. Each of these beasts will represent a king or a kingdom, a period of time, um, and they come out of the nations. And I believe this is the Gentiles. Again, the time of the Gentiles. Daniel continually talks about that. The prophecy here is the, the nations, the Gentile nations and their kingdoms until the fifth kingdom. I've labeled today's sermon the fifth kingdom because nobody talks about the fifth kingdom. When I did all my studying and all my research here, we talk about the four kingdoms, but actually our text will talk about a fifth kingdom. Before we get to the fifth, let's talk about the first four though. All right. The first one is like a lion, all right? It says, verse 4, the first was like a lion, all right? It wasn't a lion, but it looked like it. Remember, Daniel's imagery is helping us to see that he's not saying that it's these animals. He's trying to describe for his hearers what they appear as. They are beasts, and they appear as, and this first one is like a lion, and its wings, it had eagle's wings, and it looked like its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. What we see here is this is a representation of King Nebuchadnezzar and even greater of the kingdom of Babylon. All right. We've seen this in chapter two. We see it here again. That in chapter 2, it's the head, it's the gold, it's the mightiest um, kingdom of them all. And it begins this, and we see that it is a lion, its eagle's wings appear to be plucked. What is that? Well, we know from context that Nebuchadnezzar was humbled. He, he, he walked around, right? And he was humbled because he was so arrogant, thinking that he had done all this kingdom and God humbled him. So he walked the, 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 the kingdom, his kingdom, as a beast. He, he, he lost his mind. And we see here that he lost his power in a sense. He didn't have control over his kingdom during that time. So he didn't have the flight as the eagle whose wings were plucked. But it also goes on to say it was lifted from the ground. So this lion was standing up and it was given, it had standing up on two feet like a man and the mind of a man was given to it. So it helps us to see that God restored King Nebuchadnezzar. He wasn't left as a beast who, who couldn't no longer fly or had authority, but actually he was given a, the, his mind back as a man, all right, and able to continue to rule. Verse 5 tells us about a second beast. The, behold, another beast, a second beast like a bear. It was raised up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told to rise and devour much flesh. The second bear represents the Medo-Persian Empire. All right, And it's on one side as a bear. One side is higher than the other because we know the Medes 
were the lower end, and yet the Persians excelled over them. They had more power, more authority. And so one was greater than the other, even though it was a two empire there. The three ribs in its mouth between its teeth uh, represent the three great conquests of the Medo-Persian Empire. The first was over Babylon in 539, and then Lydia in 546, and then Egypt 525. Um, these would then, the, the bear would rule for 200 years. We know from history that the Medo-Persian Empire ruled for 200 years. The Persians became very great, and the Medes were there, but the Persians were greater as they controlled. Next, we see a third. Let me pause and go back for a moment. Interesting, as it was told at the end of verse 5, notice that phrase, arise, devour much flesh. Who's doing the speaking here? We see that there's somebody doing the speaking, somebody's doing the command, telling them to do something. Is that their that is it the animal that's talking? No, somebody's speaking to the animal, to this beast, telling it to do something, to arise and to devour much. I believe this is this shows us and it's telling Daniel, and it reinforces to Israel as they're hearing this over and over again, God is the sovereign God. And you see this phrase over and over again, the most high one. You'll see it in this text as well in chapter seven. The most high one. God is telling the nations, the Gentile nations, go and arise and devour. Now, that may seem like that's really harsh or God is very mean. No, it means that God is the final judge. God is the, the one who will judge as he judges through the nations, the four beasts. But he is the judge at the fifth kingdom, too. He is in control of all of these beasts. He's in charge of them all. And so when God tells them to do something, they're doing it. Because God's in control. He's not some master manipulator. No, he is sovereign and he is Lord. We come now to the third beast. This third beast in verse 6. After this I looked and behold another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads and dominion was given over it. So what we see here is the leopard. The leopard with four wings of a bird on his back. The four wings would give this leopard who was already fast. It would give it even more speed and more power. And so this represents the Greeks. And we know from history, history tells us what Alexander the Great was like. And when he came to defeat the Persian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, he did it quickly. He moved swiftly. It wasn't just a gradual, mm, we're going to overtake this kingdom. No, Alexander the Great, when you read history, and some of you are greater history buffs than me, he came in swiftly, like a leopard that had wings, came in, overtook this, this Medo-Persian empire that was ruling for over 200 years, who had this set up, and would come in, in just four years, defeat the Persians. And have all of this country to themselves. And even more. So for the four heads. The four heads I believe represent the four generals. After Alexander the Great um, began this conquest. We know that Alexander the Great was wonderful. But he didn't last long. 
All right, I'll let you do your history on that. But there were four generals who took over after Alexander the Great who would lead um, the Greeks in, in the Greek Empire. Dominion was given to it, it says, a divine appointment. And so, again, here we see Daniel recording for us that God is in charge. He is divining, divine appointing who he wants when he wants it. All authority on earth and in heaven is always delegated by God. So when you go through your day today and you go through your week and the years to come, don't ever forget that all authority has been given by God. All authority on earth is always delegated from one man, from one person, from one being, and that's our God. Now let's go to the fourth beast. Verse 7, And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. Let me pause there for a second. First of all, I think the first three are kind of terrifying anyway, but we see there's an emphasis here, right? This fourth beast, it is scarier, all right? And, and what we see from the book of Revelation is that this fourth beast has a combination of different features from the first three. And so when you mix these different beasts together, that would be a horrifying picture to see, all right? And so as we see this, it was... Uh, terrifying, dreadful, and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And then it's going to talk about these horns. It had ten horns. And so when we look at this, this is talking about the Roman Empire. All right, The Roman Empire that was coming and defeated the Greeks. All right, and we see this in Revelation 13. That's a connection here. So when you're looking at Daniel 7, you can go back and you can look at Revelation 13 and compare them and see how God is working and, and talking about the same thing here. All right, so the iron teeth has iron teeth, which speaks back to Daniel chapter 2 and, and the statue where its legs and feet all right, are made out of clay with iron. All right, and then it has these ten horns. These ten horns will are representing ten kings or ten kingdoms to come. Then we see this little horn. All right, um, I was considered verse eight. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up from among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. All right, so this little horn arises out of the ten, and when this little horn arises, it takes out three of them. And so it rises up, and it pulls these three and their roots out, the text will tell us in a little bit. They were plucked out by their roots. And behold, this horn uh, were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. And so this little horn takes over three horns, and its visual... Um, uh, that Daniel gives us is what it looks like is it's got this, the eyes of a man being, okay, it's helping us to see this is, this is a man who is going to rise up and it has a great mouth speaking things that are going to give, um, uh, as we see great things, it's speaking great things and not only great things, but we're going to see in, in our text too, 
He speaks great things, but he's also going to blaspheme God. All right? So that's the beginning part of it. Fun, right? We're going to try to pick up our pace a little bit, and we're going to do a slight jog now. You guys ready to jog this morning? Some of you are like, no, we're not jogging. Well, we are. All right. But before we get to that jog, there's something beautiful that we can see in the distance. And that's where Daniel is here in verses 9 and 10. It's, it's glorious because in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of these beasts and how hideous and how awful this is, we, some, we see something beautiful and we see something splendid. Now in Daniel 2, it's a rock. It's a rock that's carved out, not by man, that falls from the mountain and that will destroy these other kingdoms. And out of this rock will rise up a whole nother kingdom built from it. Here, what we see is what Daniel tells us in 9, verses 9 through 10. Let's look at it. Daniel says, as I looked, thrones were placed. Notice plural. This isn't just one throne. There are many thrones. And we see that because Jesus talks about the thrones and he even tells the the, the disciples, that they will be on thrones judging the nation of Israel. And so there's thrones that were placed in the ancient of days took his seat. God takes his seat, and what does he look like? His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool, meaning he is perfect and he is holy. There is nothing wrong with God ever. Beautiful, splendor, seen hard to depict. And Daniel's saying, listen, God is just so overwhelming. It's, he's just clear. He's white. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire ish, issued and came out from before him and thousands, thousand, a thousand thousand served him. So what we see is here is God on the throne, and around him is just an overwhelming scene of fire. And we see that fire is refinement. Throughout Scripture, we see fire refines, and also fire is part of what judgment will be like. And we see that in the book of Revelation. When we see that, here God is, and in the midst of this, a thousand thousands are serving him. I believe this is the thrones that are all around him. Those who are serving God and serving on the throne. But in the midst of this, then we see a 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. What a glorious sight. I went to a concert this week. I'm not going to tell you where I went, but I went to this concert and 40 to 50,000 people there. Amazing. I've never been to a concert like that. I'm sheltered. Yes, I am. It was really cool. Like all of these people there and they just started singing these songs and you're like, and at one point it was almost deafening to hear the people singing along with the artists. Like it was so cool. But as I sat there, I couldn't help but to think of this imagery here of what it was like as Daniel saw 10,000 times 10,000 this mass amount of people who were before God. What, what a sight. What a sight this was. Daniel's just not making this stuff up either, okay? This isn't just Hollywood and the movies where, hey, this was a great picture. This is a great film. No, this is true. This is fact. 
We know that there were four empires that ruled just like Daniel wrote. Israel got to see that before them and they got to see the prophecy fulfilled. What Daniel is writing is what is going to truly happen. And I hope that excites you. Because, man, that makes me really excited. I get goosebumps. I get thinking about it. I'm like, man, what's this going to be like? We're not going to be singing these other songs. Man, we're going to be singing glory to God. Woo! It's exciting, isn't it? Now, it's, it's almost like Daniel took a little break to help Israel. Like, hey, listen, this is really crazy. This is, this is really hard. Daniel, it says Daniel's color was changed. I'm sure it was perplexing and difficult for Daniel to see it. But in the midst of that, Daniel records for us this splendor, this wonderful throne. And the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are there. Awesome. Verse 11 says, I looked and then because the sound of the great word that the horn was speaking... All right, so he takes us now back and says, in the midst of this, remember that little horn that's speaking these great things that we saw in verse 8? He says, I looked because the sound of the great word that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and was given over to be burned with fire. It's done. What we see is what we are shared with in Revelation 13 and Revelation 17. A beautiful picture that God in his judgment, it's done. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that there was a struggle. There, there wasn't this great battle that took place. No, as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and it was given over to be burned Verse 12 says, as for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. What we see here is there's remnants of each of these beasts that are continuing. Their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Now, it is my belief that as we look at this fourth beast and we try to interpret, and we'll, we're just going to read through some of the next few verses quickly. But the fourth beast is different from all the other beasts because when we look at the, the rule of Rome and its conquests, we don't see another country ever taking over Rome. And the evidence is very clear when you stop to think about it and you start researching. Rome is part of each country that we see even today. It has its effect. All right, and so again, we can debate that to come, but we do see this continuation of this fourth beast that is different than the rest of them, and we see the evidence of this that this fourth beast even continues today. But take heart, we're not done. Verse 15 As for me, Daniel, my spirit was with me, my, I was anxious. The spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. And I approached one of those who stood there, and I asked him the truth concerning all of this. So he told me, and he made known to me the interpretation of the things. Listen, if you don't get anything else, here's the theme of chapter 7 in these two verses. If you want to sum it all up, it's verses 17 and 18. So if you don't get anything else, underline these two verses because this is what it's all about. It's not from me. It's from the one that Daniel said, hey, would you help me understand this? And this is what he says. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. 
But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. Forever and ever. Here's a summary, he says. Okay, there's going to be four kings from the earth. All right, they're going to rise up. Even the fourth one is from the earth. Okay, don't miss that. So four kingdoms, four kings that arise up. But what does he say? The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. It's like he put an extra forever in there just to help us understand. See, there's this fifth kingdom. And that's what we've got to keep our eyes on. There's a fifth kingdom of the Most High. And the saints of the Most High will receive this kingdom. So, verse 19, Daniel wanted to know more. So he says, hey, would you tell me about this fourth beast? I desire to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke into pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up out from which before three of them fell. The horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and it seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. This is talking about the Antichrist. All right, what we read in Revelation, this little horn is the Antichrist that will rise up in the end times. Has that happened yet? It has not happened yet. All right, if you believe it's happened, I'd love to have a discussion with you. I don't think it's happened. All right, we are in the midst. Are there 10 horns yet? That's a good question. I don't know. There might be 10. This little horn, I believe we do not know who it is yet. All right. But when you go to see the Antichrist and you start saying, oh, this person must be the Antichrist or this person. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't think our president now or in the last 10 or 12 years is the Antichrist. All right. You may not like them, but you're called to pray for them. Don't label them. Come on. Do some research. Do some study. All right. Right now, this little horn, the Antichrist, the little horn, what we see will rise up. It will defeat three other kingdoms or kings. All right. Devour them up. Pull it up by its root. Take over. It is also the mightiest and the greatest. What we read for the rest of scripture is this one. All the world will listen to this one. And this one is so contagious, it's not like people are opposing it. Actually, people flood to this person. They love this person. But what does this one little horn do? It prevails. It says it makes war with the saints and it prevails over them. Imagine listening to that. You're the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And you're hearing this, how this fourth beast and this little horn that would arise from this fourth beast, how it would prevail over the saints of God. And if you stop there, you'd be so disheartened. I believe part of the prophecy that was given here for Israel was to help strengthen their faith because notice what the next word says in verse 22. See, this little horn made war with the saints and it prevailed over them until, until that's a key word there. Until the ancient of days came. Mm. What an awesome scene here. The ancient of days came and judgment was given 
for the saints of the Most High. There's that phrase again. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Don't lose heart. (laughs) Israel, don't lose heart. Listen, there's a war that's going to take place, and it seems like we're losing. The enemy feels like he's going to win. But we know the truth. Until the Ancient of Days came. Verse 23, thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth. Understand, again, this, this kingdom is not just what we're seeing right now. This is, this is a kingdom that's going to rule the whole earth. Are we setting up for that? You bet we are. It used to be you had to, like, send information on a pigeon. You tie a little note to its foot and say, okay, go fly away, and you hope it gets to where it needs to go. Now you send a tweet and it boom, it's across the world. Information can be spread like it's never been before. And we start, we're starting to see more and more the pangs of the earth, not only on the earth, but the people of the earth, and they're clamoring for united, for peace, and this great one's going to come along. And it's going to be different. It shall devour the whole earth and it will trample it down. It's going to break it to pieces. As for this ten horns out of the kingdom, the ten kings shall arise. And another shall arise from them. And he will be different from the former ones. And he shall put down three kings. And he shall speak words against the most high. And he will wear out the saints of the most high. Folks, listen, we are in a battle. What's the enemy going to do here? We're told by God what he's, what's he going to do. He's going to speak against the Most High. And he's going to try to wear out the saints. So what do we need to do? We need to know this. The word of the Most High. This is our source of truth. This is what we need to hold to. This is what we need to cling to. As we follow and obey the Most High. Because there is an enemy coming to speak against the Most High. Do you hear that today? Do you see that today? He's going to think to change the time and the law. And they shall be given into his hand. For a time, times, and half a time. When we look at this, we see that uh, a time is singular, all right? And times is multiple. It's two. So you have one, and then you have two, and then you have half a time. And so when you read other parts of Daniel, but also Revelation, this is three and a half year period of time. This is the period of time that we call the tribulation. Tribulation is seven years of judgment, all right? And in the midst of this, this man, this Antichrist, all right, they're going, everything's going to be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. It's the second half of the judgment, all right? The first half of the tribulation, this little horn will unite and bring everybody together. But halfway through, we're going to see this later on in Daniel, something takes place. 
And we see here, we get a picture of this second half and the judgment that's coming that will arise out of this little horn. Verse 26 begins with a word, though, but. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Listen, after this period of time, especially this second half where great judgment arises from this one who is seeking to destroy the whole earth and bring everybody under its power, who's trying to tear down the truth of the Most High, but also the people of the Most High, it says he's wearing them out. Jesus talks about this, about the end times, and woe to those who are pregnant, the pregnant woman who is pregnant during this time, woe to them, that they would run to the mountains for their safety. It's a horrible time to be around. But don't lose heart because, why? Because there's a throne that's there. The court shall sit in judgment. The kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom. And all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is talking about the thousand year reign of Jesus. The millennial kingdom that is going to come. And will last forever. I have a lot more. I won't dig into it. But here's three final takeaways. Okay. Number one is this. A reminder for us that God never misses the mark. He never misses and God never fails. Don't miss this. In the midst of trying to understand prophecy, we see that this prophecy came true. This, these are truths that were written years ago, thousands of years ago, and yet they came true. And we have them, we're looking at them and reading from them from this point of view. And there's still more to be fulfilled. But we see a lot of this fulfilled as we're reading the word of God today. So it helps us to understand and to believe that God never misses the mark. He never misses, nor he ever fails. Every word that God has ever spoken will be fulfilled. There's a couple verses that I'd love for you just to jot down, and we won't look at them this morning, but I'd love for you to read Psalm 145, verse 13, because it talks about not only the judgment, but how God is faithful to keep his word. Psalm 145, verse 13. Joshua talks about this when he's reminding the nation of Israel that God is faithful. He says in Joshua 21, verse 45, God has always kept his promises to the nation of Israel. He's saying, listen, I want to remind you, God has always kept his word. And listen, we need to be reminded of that, don't you? My friend the other day reminded me and said, hey, Aaron, God's never let us down. Has he? You may say, well, he didn't do things the way I wanted them. Praise Jesus that God isn't, control, isn't letting you control your world. God's in charge, and he's never let you down. And if you think he's let you down, seek after him, that you may know him and find him and see the beauty and the rest and the peace and the comfort that he desires for you. Ezekiel 12, verse 28. See, Ezekiel is a contemporary of Daniel. As Daniel is writing this and going through all this, here's Ezekiel over here during that same time period. And Ezekiel reminds us, God is faithful to his word. 
be reminded today that God never misses or fails. Second is this. There is a forever eternal kingdom. Do you know that where we are right now isn't forever? And so when you don't get the pair of shoes that you want, or you don't get the, the book bag that you want, or you don't get the things that you want, the job, the, the, the wife. No, I didn't say that. I'm teasing. When you don't get what you want, it is not forever. God has you here to bring him glory and to display his glory and to share his word. There is a forever eternal kingdom. And the question that I have to you, are you going to be a part of it? Jesus was talking to disciples in John and he says, I'm going away and where I'm going, you can't go, but you know the way. And Philip says, wait, Jesus, we don't know the way. How do we know where you're going? And Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. See, there's only one way to this forever eternal kingdom, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for you to take your punishment that you and I deserve because we're sinners. We have failed to hit the mark every single time. And because of that, we deserve eternal punishment, a judgment that is right and just. But God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus died for us in our place. And if you place your faith in Jesus to trust him, asking him to be your savior and your God, you ask for the forgiveness of your sin. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. You will be saved, the scripture tells us. That's the way to a forever eternal kingdom. I love it because what we see about this kingdom is written all throughout the Bible. Did you know that? This fifth kingdom? Paul is finishing up his letter to the Corinthians and he says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 24. He says, then, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. His kingdom. There's only one kingdom that's going to last forever. That's Jesus' kingdom. Colossians, Paul writes in the book of Colossians, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Jesus has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. And he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. God has redeemed us and purchased us and delivered us to the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? You are in darkness. And if we trust Jesus to be our savior, to forgive us of our sin, that he died on the cross, was buried and rose again three days later, we have been transferred to the kingdom of light. How awesome is that? Third is this. In times of crisis, there is yet hope. In times of crisis, there is yet hope. Even in the midst of what Daniel is seeing and what he's recorded for us, there's hope. Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 15, and he says this in verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. So it's almost like he's talking about the Old Testament there, isn't he? 
Maybe the Gospels too. Paul's writing, Forever, whatever was written, whatever we have in the word of God that was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope. Hope. Because what we see all around us and what is to come, we can lose hope, can't we? Don't lose hope. Because even in the midst of crisis, there is yet hope. That's why we have the word of God. Because we see who rules and reigns in this fifth kingdom. My God does. Does your God? Is it the same God? I hope it is. Will you pray with me? Lord, thanks for your word. Thank you that we can read it and study it and learn about it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be committed to you. To be a part of your kingdom. You tell us in Matthew 6.33 that we are to first seek your kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added. When you were teaching your disciples to pray, you taught them to pray that your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, it is about your kingdom. It's not about our kingdoms. It's not about our allegiances to anything here on this earth. It's about our allegiance to one. It's about our commitment to your kingdom and the relationship that we get to have with you, even in the midst of a world that may shun us or condemn us or look down on us or threaten us or even try to hurt us physically. Lord, they cannot do anything with us with our soul. They can't take away our salvation. They can't take away our hope. Because our hope is not on this world, but our hope is about your kingdom. Forever. A forever kingdom. You are far superior, Lord, than anything or anyone that we will ever see. See, they had it right, Lord. Jesus was the king of the Jews. He's also our king. King of those who will place their faith and trust. Because it's about his kingdom. Lord, help us to honor you. That as ambassadors of yours, we would take serious and we would refocus our lives. Being all about this fifth kingdom. And not ourselves. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.